with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's been a long time since I've spoken to you. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Good. So what have you got? You've got something quite festive for our listeners this afternoon. Yes, I suppose we could say it's festive. Um, I thought of it because of festive things that are happening. I'm going to be talking about bells. Oh. That's exciting because I especially played the song by Jethro Tull, Ring Out Solstice Bells. Earlier. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, it's quite funny actually. I was thinking about bells because obviously being Christmas and having young kids, they have a lot of bells, um, at, you know, and like jingle bells and all these things keep coming up and we suddenly have loads of bells in our home. And it, I realized there's a couple of things. I use the phrase which i know you do too like be there with bells on like i'll be there with bells on i say that all the time but the reality is if anyone shows up to something with me covered in bells i'd actually be pretty annoyed i find them quite irritating in some ways like they're fun to shake if you're the bell the 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 bell shaker yeah if you're the bearer of the bells the bell shaker but if you're on the receiving end of bell shaking it can sometimes be like a bit frustrating but i realize that i use these phrases all the time um and like you know the bells and the whistles and stuff like that um so i mustn't be so negative about them but i wanted to know a little bit more about them because obviously they're quite like ubiquitous in so many different cultures around the world we have different kinds of bells of course we're talking about christmas we think about jingle bells but of course there are bells um in so many different places in so many different ways um and of course what's really interesting is that china was actually the birthplace of bells oh I'm not yes. surprised. China yeah. is. Um, uh, us Chinese have invented a lot. The wheel, the paper. Look at us. Just the bells now. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so yeah, so and bells. So, um, and bells play an important role in the life of Chinese people for for for, for hundreds of years. Um, in that they've been bells have been used for worshiping gods, making important announcements. Bells are an alarm system during times of danger. Um, in fact, a record of the very first bell can be traced back to 2000 BC, um, which is super interesting as well. So I think like they go back really, really, um, they're quite an ancient thing, a bell. Um, and I think it's just this idea that we have this ceremonial thing as human beings of banging stuff to make noise for important occasions. <laughs> that seems to be something that happens around the world. So if we look at like ancient Egypt, bells were used in ceremonies when worshipping the god Osiris. Now, okay, now if we think about a bell first, you've got that bell-like dome and then something inside it and that it chimes, right? Like it makes a Bong, 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 whatever. That's my bell noise, by the way. It's a terrible <laughs> bell noise. Um, and of course, so in, um, but in ancient Egypt, bells that were used for the god Osiris, these were flat and they were struck with a metal gong. And then the practice of using metal bells for worship spread from China to many countries such as Japan, India, um, Thailand. And the ringing of metal bells for worship became a very a prominent practice in Hindu and Buddhist religions. In Hindu temples, bells were placed above the entrance to temples or the inner sanctum of worship. And small handbells were also rung during times of worship and while offering fruits or food items to the gods. And in Buddhism, bells were rung while offerings were made to Lord Buddha. And the ringing of bells was also associated with wisdom, peace, patience, and the cure of confusion, which is all of the things I feel like I don't have if there are a lot of ringing bells. Oh, wow, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think I have a curing, cure of confusion. confusion yeah. When someone's ringing a bell in my face. Um, but um, in, 
Yes, in Japan, Buddhist bells were huge, and sometimes a lot of many, oh, many on temples at the tops yes. of the temples, people are invited to ring them as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So in Japanese Shinto temples, they um, so there would be lots of monks who would ring big bells, and then Japanese Shinto temples used animal-shaped small bells that were rung by visitors who would come to the temple to offer prayers. Um, and of course, um, so you have all these different things, and and in Italy, um, under the leadership of Pal- uh, Palanius the Bishop of Nola, metal bells started being made, and these were incorporated into ceremonies of worship and celebrations. And in the next few centuries, Christian monks from Italy spread knowledge about metal bells across Europe. I always love thinking about this, thinking about how trends spread in history. Like, trends now would be like, hey guys, there's like an app, and it's called TikTok. But around the world, once upon a time, it wasn't like that. A trend was something like, guys, look, this is a bell. It was ding-dong, you know? not TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, and of course, um, in England, um, St. Bede um, introduced the practice of ringing bells during funerals. Um, during the Renaissance period, bells with enormous dimensions were cast and the sound became much louder. Mm. And then during the Gothic architectural period, bells in churches became, ma- in churches became massive and then they were decorated with designs and things like that. So it's quite an interesting, like, kind of, bite-sized history of the bells um if we think about how a bell is made this is like obviously not the bells in our christmas trees which are probably made in a factory but um once upon a time the first step was to make a drawing of your bell and then after you'd made your, your drawing you had a model of the drawing was made from clay and this was baked at a really high temperature to harden this is called the core of the bell the core was nothing but a model of the inner part of the bell And in the olden days, the core was thickly coated on the outside with wax and another layer of clay known as the coat was laid around the wax and baked to harden. And the next step was to drill holes through the lower edge of the core and the coat, so the the edges of it. And then through this, you... um, you applied heat so the wax would melt out from between these two two layers. Because remember, like, a bell isn't just... It's like if you have that space between... Um, if it's hollow, the outside of a hollow, it's going to make that bell sound more effectively, right? Mm. So you have that hardened, and then you add that hardened molten metal inside, um, and that became the final finished bell. And of course, after a bell was made, it had to be tuned, which is quite a beautiful idea. So each bell had a unique tone depending on the size of the bell. To get a pitch-perfect tone, the bell was chiseled on the inside of the outside of the bell to make it sound just right. And if the tone of the bell had a low sound, the tone was raised by chipping off metal from the lower edge of the bell and if it the tone was too high then you'd chip off metal from the inside so it's kind of interesting how they did this um, and a, today modern techniques that are used in the making of bells can last for about have lasted about 3,000 years so they've been around for a long 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 time um, I particularly like like the fact that we do have this history about ringing bells um, and that we have this thing that they're, they're positive and they're negative, right? So we have ringing bells for celebrations. We have ringing bells, sadly, in empathy with grief, right? You know, um, the bittersweet sound of just one bell um, has become, you know, like, a, like I always think of someone's ringing a bell and going, hear ye, hear ye, even though I have nothing. Like, there's no reference point for that. I guess just like movies or something. Um, <laughs> But I think it's something like that. Um, but yeah, so I mean that we, you know, bells sound for positive things, bells sound for, for sad things. 
Um, it's quite, yeah. Do you have bells in your, do you use bells in your life? Do you have any bells? Do you have a doorbell? I don't even think I have a doorbell. Yeah, well, um, you know those call bell things um, or bicycle bells? We, we have a few of those at home for some reason, I'm not sure, just lying around from, from old bikes. And that, oh, nice. Yeah, um, and um, I don't know why, but the bell kind of reminds, the inside of the bell kind of reminds me of the inside of the mouth. You've got that dangly thing at the back of our oh, throat. Yes, yes. I don't know what it's called. Oh, no, I, no, anyway. I don't know. It has but a funny know, name, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me a, a, a little bit of that. But um, speaking of bells, uh, it's quite popular uh, back in the day when you were a little girl uh, to get bracelets, um, silver bracelets or gold bracelets, to have a little bell attached it. Have you ever seen them being, on, yeah, being sold yeah, in the Hong Kong yeah. markets? Yeah, little bells. And I think, like, I remember, like, I remember once having to buy a bell. You know, you've never had to buy a bell. I had to buy a bell for a pet cat I had years ago because it oh. kept attacking birds. So you put a bell on its collar so that the birds would hear it coming. <laughs> to warn um, the bell. To, to warn the like, birds. I have to, buy, I have to buy a bell for my cat's collar. Yeah, so the birds, are, you know, obviously if it tries to sneak up, it's not going to be very effective if it's got a ringing bell on, it, on its neck. <laughs> a bird um, bell. <laughs> But they are quite lovely, aren't they? Um, they was in in um, the in the eleven hundreds, so way back at the beginning of bells. There used to be a popular superstition that be- bells could ring themselves. Um, so that's kind of an interesting idea. There's like a little bit of superstition around those kinds of big bells, and I think I get that. You know, when you think about these ancient bells we have in bell towers, they're always like dark, mysterious, out-of-reach places in some ways. And then in other ways, like you said, they're playful and fun and delicate. And you know what I mean? So it's like this kind of an interesting metaphor, um, the bell, I suppose. I quite like the idea that, um, uh, you know, that bells had magical powers once upon a time. I mean, I say this, I find them very irritating to listen to (laughs) when they're just ringing and ringing and ringing. I mean, not always. Obviously, there's some beautiful bells you hear in like church services and stuff like that there's some beautiful bells but um you know there are stories of bells um to drive away evil and the devil and to calm stores storms and save people from horrible things so people would um some people back in like the 1700s they would pay for bell ringing um they would just pay for people to ring bells all day to just like ward off danger and all those things i guess which is quite similar when we think about like chinese culture and banging drums you know to scare ghosts away or the um you know like the dragon boat festival and that rhythm of drums um so i think there's something about like you know making a lot of noise that we've decided was quite a powerful thing to do um i I think bells is uh, it can be quite calming but i prefer the sound of um its cousin wind chimes and i remember growing up um my my grandfather would used to have like a lovely um a, a small wind chime thing hanging just in the front of the balcony and every time the wind blew it would make a sort of nice calming noise nice it is very beautiful isn't it and that's almost like less deliberate i suppose yeah. it just sounds more natural like if it was if it was someone playing the wind chimes when a child gets hold of wind chimes and starts putting their hand up and down them it doesn't sound as relaxing <laughs> so it might be that um i quite like as well if you look at the history of bells that bell ringers were known to have like quite poor behavior they had a poor reputation um so apparently they used to be like, this is quite interesting. So um, once, so in like the 1800s, um, some uh, belfries became notorious as the meeting place of village riffraff. So like those kind of uh, 
bell towers um, were where people would come and drink and indulge in riotous behaviour. And this created a big rift between the ringers and the clergy. And um, so the ringers often broke into the belfries to ring the bells and drink. And they were usually very independent. And they would like be like, I'm going to ring the bell whenever I want to ring the bell. But then after a while, they were like, we can't have this anymore. So they literally made like, there was quite harsh um harsh kind of like punishments and they had to kind of create a bit more reverence around the role of the bell ringer um, so that you know and they would, they would encourage ringers to attend the church services not just like show up at the church and like ring the bells um, <laughs> so it was quite funny in a way like they had this like really um, really uh, cheeky reputation um, and they would and they would get they would get told off actually they ended up having punishments about a century later for bad ringing or bad behavior um, until it was a respectable part of the church again Um, so it's quite funny do you have any bells in in your home then Cruz do I have bells in my home I do have like some like bells. I do have some jingle bells that I use when I am trying to create an illusion of a reindeer visiting our home Um, (laughs) (laughs) as part of my yes my theatrical toolkit for the festive season of fooling my children with um beautiful like beautiful illusions Yes, I do. I have some bells in my repertoire, but I don't think I use them. I don't use them that often. I mean, other than just um, talking about them, I actually use the word bells as a nickname for my sister, I realized as well. So I must have some sort of, um, you know, I'm obviously fond of the concept of a bell, um, but it is quite interesting. Um this idea of bells, especially at this time of the year. Um, and they're becoming, you know, they're still like, um, if you hear bells now, if you were just wherever we are right now, if we were to hear intense ringing of big bells, you would have a sense of something important that's happening, right? Would you feel that way? Yeah, I, I would. Like, you know, just to get your attention um, or, or, or something like that. It's kind of an unusual thing. But is it kind of related to the gong, um, as well. I don't know why. I'm big, sure they are. Big ancient bells kind of remind me um, of gongs as well. But speaking of bells, it's probably one of the first in- instruments that children play, um, yeah. either at sort of music classes or at school. It's just sort of the thing that people pick, um, children picks up and then and start uh, playing w- without without having to give it too much thought. Yeah, you're completely right. And I think it's that. It's that first introduction to being able to make a sound. So it's quite a powerful idea. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about today, just before we go, is um, obviously uh, this time of year, uh, Jingle Bells, right? Mm. So that's obviously an incredibly famous song. um, And one of the few that, like... um, kids will learn pretty quickly at Christmas time, right? Because it's quite easy and repetitive and everything else. Um, And it is catchy. Um, But it's really, I wanted to look into it a little bit. It's actually, it wasn't originally written as a Christmas song. Um, It doesn't, it's the only Christmas song that doesn't mention Christmas, Jesus, the nativity, all of those sorts of things. Because it was actually written to celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, I had no idea about that. And it's sort of become a Christmas anthem. Yeah, it is a Christmas. It has become a Christmas anthem. It's got an interesting story. So it was originally entitled The One Horse Open Sleigh, right? Which Jingle Bells is obviously much catchier. And it was the work of an American composer called James Lord Pierpont, who was um, born in 1822 and died in 1893. So it's a very old song. He was actually the uncle of the financier who went on to become J.P. Morgan. (laughs) But um, Pierpont's father commissioned the song for a Thanksgiving service. Um, and so this is interesting. So Pierpoint, 
He led a really wild life. At 14, he ran away to sea and joined a whaling ship. At 27, he left his wife and children in Boston to join the California Gold Rush. And then after he reinvented himself as a photographer, he lost all of his possessions in a fire and moved to Savannah, Georgia, where he joined the Confederate Army during the Civil War. And then throughout this whole period of time, he continued to write songs and ballads and dance tunes, including Confederate battle hymns and minstrel songs, um, which was performed. So this is like, this is really quite awful. Minstrel songs for performance by white people in blackface. And then some of his less festive tunes included the songs called We Conquer or Die. Like, um, so this, the states of him uh, claim that Pairpoint was, was um, in, they say that, Massachusetts and Georgia both claim Pierre Point was there when he wrote Jingle Bells in 1857. But, um, they, like, people want to stake claim to this. But actually, if we're being completely honest, like, was he the best guy? I don't really know. <laughs> um, wherever he was, he made very little money out of the song, and he never lived to see his song's enormous popularity. But it was. It was made, it was, it was commissioned. It was commissioned for a Thanksgiving service. Um, um, so, yeah, so it was really interesting. It was also um, it was also the first tune ever played live in space. So on the 16th of December in 1965, uh, U.S. astronauts Wally Shearer and Tom Stafford were preparing to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere in the Gemini 6, um, and Stafford contacted Mission Control to report an, a UFO. This is adorable. I wish they still did things like this. And they said, we have an object. looks like a satellite going from north to south probably in a polar orbit. Looks like he might be going to re-enter soon. I see a command module and eight smaller modules in front of it. The pilot of the command module is wearing a red suit. And, of course, this is a practical joke they were playing. And before Houston could respond, who we were probably pretty freaked out at first until they cottoned on to what they were hearing, um, Shira began playing, um, one of the astronauts began playing Jingle Bells on a harmonica he'd smuggled aboard in his spacesuit. Smuggled and aboard. He smuggled a harmonica aboard, and then he was accompanied by uh, the other astronaut, Stafford, who had sleigh bells. So that was the first tune that they played, that was ever played live in space um, by humans. I mean, who knows what the UFOs have been playing. But, um, yeah, so I think that's quite sweet. So even if it has dubious origins i think that the song jingle bells has now been reclaimed (laughs) i love that story i love that he smuggled the harmonica and 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 bells as well so that made it to to, to space yeah vacuum of space bells ringing out but anyway so that was bells have you got any quotes for us to end on or were the quotes sort of not very related to... to they cr- weren't super related. I found one that by uh, author Gary Woodland who said, life's not always going to be bells and whistles. And um, I quite liked that, but also I don't because even though I find uh, many, many bells being rung simultaneously in my face by small children, somewhat frustrating... I love bells and whistles and I love everything with all the bells and whistles. And I think it's a a lovely metaphor for celebration and noise and being a part of things. And I think it's getting me in a festive mood. um, Yeah, I wonder where the phrase bells and whistles come from and how are bells and whistles related? I suppose they've both got that sort of... noisy. Yeah, both (laughs) got that high-pitched noise to get people's attention. Well, meanwhile, Cruz, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really enjoyed learning about the history of bells and we'll be speaking with you again next week. Thank you very much. Look forward to it. Take care. Bye. Bye.